Happy Easter. Glad you guys are here today. What an amazing day this is as we celebrate our resurrected Savior. Man. If you're new to Core Church, my name's Brad, and I am the lead pastor. And if I didn't get a chance to meet you, uh, Laura and I, my wife, we would love to meet you after service. So if you came by yourself, come back to Starting Point. You'll see the signs by the front door. Or if you brought somebody with you, uh, I know Easter lunch and all that's waiting for you all, but just stick your head in for just a moment, just so we can say hi. We'd love to meet you and and say hello. Well, if you'd remain standing, uh, and we're going to read some scripture together. So if you have a Bible, I'm going to be in Matthew's Gospel, Matthew chapter 27. If you don't have a Bible, uh, take out your mobile device, and uh, in the App Store, you can download what's called Uversion, and I read out of what's called the New Living Translation. So if you've got Uversion or any Bible app on your phone, look for the NLT. That's what I'm going to read out of today. We are finishing up our series called Revived. Uh, This is the year of revival. God is going to revive some dead things. Can I get an amen to that? Man, I'm just telling you, if if you're new and you are in the right place today, right, you are in a good, this is a good place to be. You're going to find out what I'm going to talk about today. You're going to realize what a great place you are in because you can't get out there what you can get in here, hope. Like you can't, you can't get hope on, on the soccer field. Some of y'all, you got your kids that play soccer, you're like, I hope we win today. I hope we win. God, give us some hope. And you ain't got no hope because they ain't winning nothing. This is a place of hope. Like you're going to go to work and they're going to beat you down and you got Monday morning staring you in the face and just the stress of that. You are in a place today, a sanctuary of peace. Like just embrace that. Like for an hour, I get to be in a place of peace. And I believe that's what God has for you today. And so we continue this series to finish it off with this series called Revive, God Reviving Those Dead Things. We're looking at seven different resurrection stories from Scripture. Jesus wasn't the only one resurrected. There were many more. We looked at seven of them. And uh, today we're going to look at uh, the most important one uh, to finish the series up. Matthew chapter 27. I want to go to verse 45 where I'm, I'm going to start. Matthew was a follower of Jesus. He was one of Jesus' uh, 12 disciples. And so he wrote this account about Jesus' life. And so he was there uh, that moment where Jesus was crucified. And so we get to see through his eyes what that crucifixion was like for him. So verse 45 says, At noon, darkness fell across the whole land until 3 o'clock. At about 3 o'clock, Jesus called out with a loud voice, Eli, Eli, Lima, Sabagathani, which means, my God, my God, why have you abandoned me? Some of the bystanders, they misunderstood and they thought he was calling out for the prophet Elijah. So one of them ran, they filled a sponge with sour wine and they held it up on a reed stick so he could drink it. But the rest said, hey, wait, 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 let's see whether Elijah comes to save him. So get the picture here. There are those who follow Jesus who are who are distraught over what is taking place. And there are those, though, that are also gathered that are mocking him, that that don't believe that he is the Messiah. And they're both in this setting. And then Jesus shouted out again. And he released his spirit. In other words, in this moment, he died. 
At that moment, the curtain in the sanctuary of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The earth shook, rocks split apart, and tombs opened. And the bodies of many godly men and women who had died were raised from the dead. They left the cemetery after Jesus' resurrection, check this out, went into the holy city of Jerusalem and appeared to many people. Can you imagine that? Honey, I'm home. (laughs) Bob, is that you? (laughs) It's just odd, but that's what happened. So today, I want to talk to you about reviving redemption. Reviving redemption in your life. Let's pray. Father, in this moment, Thank you for the word. Thank you for the scriptures. Thank you for Matthew and him writing this account for us. And would you speak to us? Church, let's just uh, pray for one another. You might know the people around you. You might not. Let's just pray for one another right now that we would be open to what God has to say. If you're not a follower of Jesus, you can pray. Uh, Hey, God, would you speak to me? God will speak to you, even as a a non-believer and a non-follower. He wants to speak to you. And uh, would you pray for me as your pastor that um, I would be just faithful to what the Holy Spirit's trying to get said to us today. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, all right, before you're seated, turn to three people and say, you look good today. You look good today. Yeah. Well, it is um, crazy to me the links that we will go to to protect ourselves from germs in a public restroom. I, I mean, the, the whole goal when you go into a public restroom is don't touch anything. Isn't that what your goal is? Like, I'm not, I do not want to touch anything, especially if you have young children or little boys. How many of you have had boys? You've had, you've, okay, you have some boys. It's a, is it not a nightmare? I've had three boys, and when they were little, trying to take them into a public restroom, I mean, can we get it? Can, can somebody testify to that? I mean, I, I remember when they, they were little, and they'd be like, we'd be at the park, which the park bathroom is the worst. And see, so we'd be at the park, and one would be like, Daddy, I gotta go to the bathroom. And I'd be like, oh, just go by the swing set. Just go by the swing set. But Mama said, I can't. No, you can. We're not going in there. And then you take them. In the bathroom, those of you who have boys, you know this. You take them in the boys, you're like, don't touch anything. But what do they do? They walk right over to that bowl, drop their pants down around their ankles. Remember those days when they would do that? And what do they do? Lean into it and grab it with both hands. Oh, and you're just like, ah, I don't know what to do with you. Oh, and then they have... Um, I don't even know what they're called. They're uh, the little um, paper uh, mache things that we put on the toilet seat. Is is that what it is? (laughs) What it is? (laughs) But those things are so frustrating if you're trying to get one of those out. Like, is it up? Is it down? Is it down? Is it up? And you rip like four of them before you finally get to one. And then you lay it on there perfectly. And you better sit down quickly, right? Because if that tongue hits the water, it's gone. I love going into, um, some of y'all are like, is he really talking about the bathroom on Easter Sunday? I just don't even know. I just don't even know. I, I, uh, when I go in, I, I, I prefer everything to be touchless, like where it's motion sensors on everything. Like I want it on the toilet. I want it on the sink. I want it on, on the paper towel dispenser. Because I remember back in the day, 
uh, when they used to have these paper towel dispensers where they weren't paper towels, they were cloth, and you would pull on it, and it was on this ring, and it would rotate. Does anybody remember those? Pulling on it, you're like, ah, feels like you're wiping your hands with your grandpa's underwear. It's just, <laughs> it's just, it's awful. It's like, and, and the worst is when somebody doesn't wash their hands. Like, and you're behind them, and you're like, really? And they just march out, and you're like, oh, now i got to use a paper towel on everything. Now I can't. I want to chase them down like, hey, 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 right in the middle of the restaurant. Hey, 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 hello, hello, you forget something? These are not spirit fingers, hello. It's just gross, just disgusting. I, I think this is how many of us, if not most of us, kind of approach life. Because this world is a messed up, jacked up place, is it not? I mean, it's just messed up. And we are all trying really hard to make good choices, good decisions. I mean, we're, trying, we're trying to be good. We're trying to do good. Uh, we're, we're trying to make it through this life like clean. And, but dang it if we don't mess up. Like, dang it if we don't make mistakes. Dang it if we don't grab a hold of that toilet. I mean, man. We are all messed up. Man, that, that's, that's kind of a sick good news today in a way. Like we're all in here in the house of God, but we are all messed up. Every one of us has messed up or made a mistake or sinned or done something in our lives. In fact, let's just encourage each other. It's Easter. Let's encourage each other. Just turn to somebody right now and say, you are messed up. You are <laughs> messed up. You are messed up. Yeah. If you've messed up, you're in a good place because we're all messed up. You come to church, and if you're new to church, you think, oh, this is where everybody's perfect. (laughs) Wow. Just stick around long enough. You figure out this is the biggest sinner of them all right here. You're like, you got to hear this guy preach. I mean, it's just crazy. And so, I mean, but we are all messed up. In fact, the Apostle Paul he, he went out and started a bunch of churches, and he wrote a letter to one church, and he told that church, and he reminded them, hey, we're, we're, we're all sinners. We're, we're, we're all messed up. We, we've all made poor choices and decisions, and, and, and none, of us have, have, none of us have lived up to the standard of God. Nobody has. It's, and, and, and I love that picture that the Apostle Paul gives us because he's talking to the church. He's not talking to the pagan world. He's talking to the church. He's talking to you and I, the one place where we think, I'm okay. And he says, no, we're, 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 all, we're all messed up. We're all on equal footing. So the question is, what, what's, what's God's reaction to us when we mess up, when we don't live up to his standard? How, how, does, how does God react to that? Now, I, know, I know for some of you, it, you just would say, well, you know, honestly, I don't really think it's that big a deal to God because I'm a pretty good person and I, it's not like I've done one of God's top 10, okay? I've stayed out of the top 10. I'm at, like number 11, but I haven't got into the top 10 yet, okay? Increasing with the bullet, three, you know, but I mean, you're just like, I, I haven't done one of the top 10, so I think I'm, I think, I think I'm okay. Or, or for some of you today, your reaction is, you know, well, I mean, for the most part, I've done pretty good. 
Like I've been nice to my spouse. I've been pretty good to my kids. I never kicked the dog. I'm, I'm kind to people. I mean, there's a, there's a couple things that I'm kind of hoping he'll overlook, hoping that the good's going to outweigh those couple of things. But for the most part, I think, I think I'm pretty good. But then there's some of you here today that you are just riddled by guilt and by shame and some of the things that you've done. Like when you, you think back and you, uh, to what you've done or even what you are doing, you're frustrated. Because you like wish, man, I wish I could go back and undo it. I, I wish I didn't live with this memory. I wish I didn't keep letting people down all the time. Dang it, I'm trying, but I just keep messing up. And I'm hurting myself, I'm hurting others, and I know, man, God? <laughs> Let's not even bring God into the equation of this, preacher man. Are you serious? Like, there's no way that God would accept me. There's no way that God would forgive what what I have done. There's no way that God would love me after what I've done. Well, I want to talk to those of you today who feel that way. That you feel as if there's no way that God is going to accept you. There's no way that God is going to ever overlook what you've done or, or your riddled by this guilt and you feel that God is somehow angry with you and somehow God has abandoned you. Now on Easter, it seems like I should talk to everybody. Easter is when we have our largest crowd where we put out all the extra rows and and it seems like I should talk to everybody in the crowd. And, and I really wrestled with this message because I was like, man, I should be talking to everybody. And, but I really felt very strongly that, that God said, no, I just want you to talk to a few people today because I'm going to bring you some people and I'm going to put them in the seats, and they are just riddled with guilt and shame, and the weight of sin is crushing them. The mistakes and the poor choices are overwhelming them, and they have a poor perception of what I think about that, and I need you just to talk to them. And so if that's not you, um, just sit back for a few minutes and just let me talk to those people, and you can kind of listen into this conversation. So here's what I want to say to those of you who, who feel that way, feel that crushing weight, that, that shame or that guilt or that one or two things or whatever it is that you continually do and you just can't seem to get over it. Here's what I came to say to you today, and I'd like for every person to write this down. So you can write it down in your phone, you can write it down on a piece of paper, you write it down on the back of the person in front of you, I don't care how you do it, um, but write this down. Uh, maybe not on the back of the person in front of you because they drift really nice today, okay? God will not abandon me in my sin. God will not abandon me in my sin. Here's the second thing I want you to write down. He came for me despite my sin. God does not abandon me in my sin. He came for me despite my sin. And he not only came for you, but here's the interesting thing. He knows what it feels like to have the crushing weight of sin on you. He knows what it feels like to have that shame. He knows what guilt feels like. He knows what those things feel like. And I think there's no better picture of this than the cross and the final moments of Jesus' life. So let's look at that again. Matthew 27, verse 46. says, at about three o'clock, Jesus called out with a loud voice, Eli, Eli, 
Lima Sabagathani, which means, my God, my God, why have you abandoned me? Hang on a second here. I, I just, I, I thought you just said God will not abandon me, but yet Jesus here is saying, why did you, if God doesn't abandon us, why would Jesus say that? It doesn't make any sense at all. Well, one thing that we have to remember and consider is that Jesus was fully God, sent by God, God in the flesh, but he was also fully human. So in this moment, Jesus is embracing his humanity. See, we, we dehumanize Jesus at times. Like we, we point out his, his deity and that he is God, and yes, we should point that out, but we cannot forget that he was a man, he was a person, just like you, just like me. And, and in this moment, the, the weight and the sin of the world was put upon not only God, but a man. And so in this moment, he feels the crushing weight of it. He's feeling the, the shame of it. He's feeling despised by it. And in, in uh, Paul's letter to the Corinthian church, the guy I just spoke about, the Apostle Paul, he wrote another letter to a, a church in 2 Corinthians 5.21. It said this in, in that letter he wrote to the church. He made him, this is God made Jesus, who knew no sin, so he's God, he knew no sin, to be sin on our behalf, so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. In other words, that, that we might be made right with God. So, so he was God, so he did not sin, but yet he was fully a human. He was a man, and he felt the weight and, and the guilt and the shame of sin. In this moment, he felt abandoned. Like This is the natural human reaction when we make a mistake, this is the natural human reaction when we sin, when we mess up, when we jack our lives up, when we make a poor choice or poor decision, we're like, oh, and suddenly we feel the weight of that, and I messed up, man, and you just, suddenly you can, and depending on what you've done, it can be just crushing upon you, and the shame and the guilt that comes with that, and then in the moments like that, it can just feel as if God has abandoned me. Where is God? He doesn't want to have anything to do with me. He's away from me. In weightlifting, they have something they call the deadlift. And the deadlift is where you would stand behind the bar and you reach down and you grab it and you lift it up fully like this. And then you would set it back down. And uh, this is like, this is about 500 pounds. And um, I mean, it's, it's pretty obvious from uh, the looks of this physique, I could obviously do this. Um, really? Really? Um, but I won't because I'm a, I'm a humble man, and um, <laughs> I wouldn't want any man here to be intimidated by me. <laughs> Let me laugh at myself. Don't laugh at me. Let me just have that. No, I, there's no chance I could lift this. I, I can't lift this. There's no way. But I do know somebody who can. <laughs> His family is here, obviously. <laughs> yeah, KP, who is standing in the back. He works with our kids. Wave at him, KP. Look at that. 
That's just sickening. You're even in your wave, you're flexing. You're like, <laughs> you're like, yeah, what up? Is Jim that way or is it that way? I mean, it's just like, it's like you took a straw and went, <laughs> and just blew it up. <laughs> but I know KP, and he, he, could, he could easily lift this. Uh, now, the reason he can lift it is because he does this competitively. KP has lifted, deadlifted, 595 pounds, people. It's insane. 595 pounds. We had three of you are impressed with that. I don't know what's wrong with you. Okay. Men are, the men aren't clapping because they're like, yeah, I know what that's like. I can totally do that. <laughs> Not clapping for that. <laughs> okay, whatever. We have an altar call later and you can seek forgiveness for your... This is the house of God. Uh, but I know, and I'm not going to ask KP to come up here because he's training for a competition, so I'm not going to ask him to lift this. But he could easily lift it because he's done 595 pounds. But he, he gave me a video. I want you to check this video out. This is him lifting uh, close, I think it's almost 500 pounds. And he doesn't lift it just once. Oh, no, that wouldn't be impressive enough. He lifts it several times. Check, it, check this out. Watch this. Wow. You and I are under this crushing weight of sin. And we have no ability to lift this off of ourselves. We are, we are crushed by, by the weight of our sin, by the weight of our poor choices, the weight of our bad decisions, our mistakes, and, and then not only that, but we are weighed down and crushed underneath the shame of it and the guilt of it, and we have no ability to lift it off of ourselves. But I know someone who can. This is what we're here for today. Jesus came for us. He came to have the weight of sin placed upon him. Like, I want you to get a new picture of the cross today. When that cross was lifted up that day with our Savior on it, your sin and my sin were lifted up on that cross, and he took it upon himself. He took the weight of sin off of me and off of you. God has not abandoned me. No, he, he's come for me. D despite my sin. And Jesus here on, on the cross, when he says, my God, my God, why have you abandoned me? Not only was he dealing with the, the humanity that in that moment, but he was also referencing a psalm. Now, you may or may not know this, but the, the, the psalms have not always had chapters and verses on them. That's not the way it was. It was written more like poetry in a book. And, and in Jesus' time period, they didn't even really have it written down. And they knew all of the psalms, the Hebrew people did, by basically the first stanza. So they could say the first stanza of that psalm, and they would know which one they're talking about. And so when Jesus says, my God, my God, why have you abandoned me? That's the first part of Psalm 22. And so when he mentions that from the cross, that this idea uh, 
of my God, why have you abandoned me? It's not just him crying out in his humanity, but he's also referencing Psalm 22. Now, Psalm 22 is a prophecy about the coming Messiah. And it was written a thousand years before Jesus ever came on the scene. It was written by David, and David had this prophecy. He said, listen, this is what you're looking for. The Messiah is going to come, and this is what you're looking for. In fact, when he comes, he's going to have to suffer. I encourage you later today, read Psalm 22. It's mesmerizing to see that it's basically an account of the crucifixion. In, the, in Psalm 22, it says, it says that they have pierced my hands and my feet, and they throw dice for my garments. This is what happened at the cross. So Jesus here in this moment, what he's saying from the cross is, this is this prophecy. It is being fulfilled right in this moment. God dying for our sins. But also what's interesting, in the middle of this psalm, we, we see that Jesus knew the Father would never abandon him. Even though from the cross he says, my God, my God, why would you abandon me? He felt abandonment, but he knew he wasn't abandoned. Look at the middle of Psalm 22. We'll put it on the screen for you. Psalm 22, 24. For he is not ignored or belittled the suffering of the needy. Let me just stop there. Some of you, that's just all you needed today. That's, that's the only thing you needed to hear. Man, he... He is not ignoring or belittling your suffering. Some of you are suffering, whether it's under the crushing weight of sin or grieving something in your life. Jesus knows about that. He's felt that. God Almighty came and suffered along with you in that. And you are not doing it alone. And he is not ignoring you. And he doesn't belittle what happened to you. Let's read on, though. Read this next part with me that's underlined. He has not turned his back on them. That is some good news. Turn to somebody right now and say, he has not turned his back on you. He has not turned his back on you. He has not turned his back on you. In fact, he has listened to your cries for help. In other words, God didn't abandon Jesus on the cross, and he doesn't abandon us. Amen. Man, amen to that. When we cry out to him for mercy, he doesn't ignore us. He doesn't turn his back on us. No, he came for us in the person of Jesus. In fact, look back at Matthew's gospel and Matthew's account in chapter 27. It, it, it says when, that when Jesus died, it says the earth shook, rocks split, and this is crazy, tombs opened up. Tombs opened up. Look at verse 52. So it's just the, the bodies of many godly men and women who had died were what? Let's say this together. What? Raised from the dead. Jesus dies and instantly people come back to life. That's the gospel. Jesus dies. I'm raised to life. And here's the thing. We are all, we're all sinners. Man, I hate that word. I don't like that word. I don't like saying that word. It's just dark. But it's true. We're all messed up. We've all made mistakes. We've all 
fall, fallen short. And, I mean, you know, it, it, it doesn't matter who you are or what you, you've done. No one is exempt from this. It's not just those of us who feel shame, not those of us who have this crushing weight of guilt, not those of us who are haunted by memories, but it's all of us. Like for, for those of us who say, you know, I'm, 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 I'm a pretty good person. I mean, come on, I, I haven't committed one of God's top 10, okay? You're separated from God. You've messed up. And if you're, if you're one of these people that says, you know, for the most part, I'm a good. Like, I mean, I'm coming on Easter. I dressed up. I mean, I'm looking good. I mean, you know, I'm impressive. I mean, surely God's impressed by this. And, and I would tell you this, that I think, God, I think God is impressed. I think he loves it. I think he loves it that you're here. And a lot of times we think that you, you come and just, I'm just going to try to get God not mad at me anymore. So I'm going to show up, you know, like God is somehow looking at you like, oh, you're here this week. Where were you last week? And you better be in that seat next week. I mean, this is not our God. This is not who he is. He loves it that you're here. He loves it. He's like, man, you're in my house. You're in the right place. I've been waiting for you. Oh, I've been waiting for you. I've been trying to get Brad to preach this sermon. He wants to preach something else, but I told him he needs to say this, and, and he's going here, and I need him here because I needed you. I knew you were going to come today. I knew you were going to come today, and I want to talk to you. See, it's not just me as a pastor who's talking. For some of you today, you're like, man, what is this I'm sensing? It's God speaking to you. It's the living God. Our God didn't just end on the cross. He went through the cross to the tomb and was risen again, new life. And the spirit of God is here and he speaks to us. And so what you're sensing is not my words, but it's the words of God. I don't know what God is saying to you. There's too many people here, but I know he's speaking to you. And so you're here in this moment and you're like, I think I'm good enough. Come on, I've done not messed up a lot. I mean, I'm... I mean, I'm nice to my parents. I'm nice to this person. I, 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 I'm I a pretty good employee. I have pretty good ethics. You know, I mean, I've done a couple things, but I'm pretty sure God's going to overlook that. No. We're, we're, we're all messed up, and we, we've all fallen short. We are all dead, and we have no ability to resurrect ourselves on our own. A couple months ago, I was dealing with some kidney stones. Most of you know about that. Uh, and I had a kidney stone about the size of a large marble. And when I got up one morning, the very first morning I felt it, I felt this, like I thought I'd pulled a muscle in my back. And so I thought, oh, I just need to stretch that out. And so I was doing some stretching exercises, and I was just trying to, and nothing was helping. And I was like, man, it's just, man, what's going on? And I looked over, and Laura has um, a foam roller. How many of you know what a foam roller is? Let me see if you know that. Okay, a lot of you don't know what this is. It's basically what it is. It's an exercise piece, and it's made out of foam, and it's a roller. And just what it says it is. And, and so what you do is you use it to roll over muscles, to loosen them up, and things like that. And so I thought, I'll try it. And so I laid on my back and rolled it over, down, and up and oh, it did not make it better. So what did I do? I thought, well, maybe if I did it a little bit harder. <laughs> so I'm like, get it deep in there. What was I doing? I had a kidney stone. And within that moment, it just, it went, it flared up. And I was down on the floor, done, screaming out for Laura, you got to take me to the hospital. Something's very wrong with me because I couldn't get rid of it. This is so 
much our approach when it comes to sin is we are trying desperately to get rid of the pain, desperately to get rid of that, that shame and that guilt that I, that I feel, that thing that I did, and, and there I am doing. And, I, and, I, and I, so I, I, I try to do things to make, make it better, or I try to mask it or hide it, and so I seek after things. I throw myself into my career, and, but then I got to come home from work, and I'm driving home from work, and suddenly I'm thinking about it again. Or, man, I just think, man, you know what? I'm just going to go out and buy myself something because I don't feel good right now. I just don't feel good. And so what do we do? We go out and buy something. And it makes us feel good. There's an adrenaline that rushes through us and we, we feel good and we think that'll help. But then eventually that newness on that thing that we bought is just, then it comes rushing back again. Or we throw ourselves into artificial stimulants, into drugs, into alcohol, into sex, into whatever I can to try to feel good. But what only happens is it returns with a vengeance and it gets worse. And the pain gets worse and I can't get rid of it. None of it works. But remember this, the moment that Jesus died, it says the tombs were open and the dead were raised to life. This is the gospel. This is Easter. Christ's death can raise me to life. It can lift the weight of sin off of me. And think about this. God did not abandon Jesus in the tomb. This is not a story about a cross and a death and Jesus just saying, all right, you died, good, it's over. No, he raised him to life. And here's the cool thing. He not just raised him to life, but now Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father. I want you to get this picture because this is the picture of your life. This is the picture of what God wants to do for you. You are under this crushing weight of sin, and you cannot lift it off of yourself. No matter how hard you're trying, I cannot lift it off of, my, off of myself. But Jesus came. He lifted it off through the cross, and your sin has been put to death. You don't have to live in it anymore. It's dead. It's gone. Price paid for and that's not where God leaves you. God doesn't just forgive your sin and say, good luck with you. He raises you to new life. And figuratively, he seats us with Jesus at the right hand of the Father. Through Jesus, you are back reconciled with God. Craziness. He wants to talk to you. He wants to commune with you. He wants a relationship with you. This is the story of Easter. So I want us to listen to the, to the final words of Jesus before he left this earth. And remember, his final words on the, on the cross were, my God, my God, why have you abandoned me? But through his death and his resurrection, several weeks went by and he appeared to his disciples and in resurrected form and there was over 500 people that saw him alive and were celebrating. And then it comes to this moment where he is going to ascend to heaven. And when he sends to heaven, I want you to listen to the final words of Jesus before he leaves this planet. Matthew chapter 28 and verse 20. Jesus is speaking here and he says, and be sure of this. Be sure of this. Can we say this together? I am with you always. I am with you always always, even to the end of the age. In other words, be sure of this. 
I have not abandoned you in your sin. Be sure of this. I came despite your sin. Be sure of this. My mercy is for you, poured out for you. Like, be sure of this. Yes, I am crushed by the weight of sin, but Scripture tells me, and the prophet Isaiah says, he was crushed for my sin, but he was raised to new life. Be sure of this. Be sure of this. You do not have to live with guilt. Be sure of this. You do not have to live with shame. Be sure of this. You can be free. You can live free. You can live above what has happened to you. You can live above what has been done to you. And you can live above what you have done. You can be free from the sin, the shame, the guilt, the condemnation. Jesus came so that you could rise above it through him. Be sure of this.